This is the Archerpreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and this is episode 21. Ooh-wee! Today's guest is Salvador Sanchez, an entrepreneur here in Lexington, Kentucky. He came from Austin, Texas and opened up a fantastic coffee shop with the pay-it-forward mentality. You can go in there and get a free coffee if you can meet the needs of one of the prepaid coffees on the wall, or you can also purchase coffee for complete strangers, write down something you want them to do, post that up on the wall, and if they meet the requirements, they get it too. His inspiration goes much farther than that with the pay it forward mentality, so I cannot wait for you to hear his interview today. And if you're a creative spirit, or you just like this podcast, or you want some insights on other creative entrepreneurs and how they go about their days and building their business, join the mailing list on artsynow.com and you'll get all those free interviews to your mailbox every time they launch and lots of other creative goodies. I'm also going to be doing some giveaways here shortly, so make sure you don't miss out on that. So that's artsynow.com and you can also follow me on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. Here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, everybody, let's get funky. Come on, come on, everybody, let's get figgity-funkity right now. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Well then get on with your bad self. All the way from Austin, Texas to the Bluegrass State in Lexington, Kentucky, we've got an entrepreneur for you with a cup of joe in his hand and always on his mind. He's doing the boogie all around town. He's the boss daddy of paying it forward, the founder of a cup of Commonwealth, Salvador Sanchez. Salvador, you are the entrepreneur now. Salvador, how you doing, man? Good, good. Salvador and Chris Ortiz started this amazing premium coffee shop uh, last year. Is that right? Yeah, it was uh, July. Yeah, we came, moved here like March or May and then uh, started working on getting it open and popped it up uh, July 1st. Yeah, and I first heard about it towards, I think it wasn't until somewhere around Christmas because I was I heard on the news about that string of robberies that was down there and then I read an article online somewhere and it was actually a pretty big news site. I can't remember which one it was exactly. Uh, but they were talking about the string of robberies. And I remember hearing that you all were giving away a free cup of coffee to anyone who made a purchase from one of those uh, stores that, you know, was a victim of the robbery or that the robbers targeted, which I thought was just, you know, pure homegrown kindness. And uh, talk about sparking the community a little bit. So I, I was like, I got to go check this place out because I really hadn't found anywhere that great in Lexington to get coffee. And I not actually from Lexington. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, so I hadn't really gotten out and seen a lot of it. But I started checking it out, and man, I'm a frequent visitor now. I'm probably in there twice a week. Uh, <laughs> it's a great place to go, and it's a really creative, artsy vibe. I think you all even let local artists uh, put their artwork up for a week or something in there. I remember when I was there one time, some girl was putting up her artwork around the store, uh, 
Is that is that true? Yeah, yeah. They uh, we do it like every month. We just kind of change them out, and we range from anyone as like a starting artist to somebody that's been pretty established and just wants to get their pieces out there. Yeah, man, it's it's really cool stuff, and and there's always some great tunes going through the speakers as well, and all the employees are just you know amazing, great personalities. So, uh, you all have this fantastic pay it forward principle. Uh, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we actually kind of stole it uh, when uh, I was working at Whole Foods. We were on a, a specialty committee, and we were trying to always find new things or new innovative things for uh, store opening. And we had a store opening up in uh, Bee Cape, Texas. And um, I think it was uh, the specialty coordinator. She came up with the idea of buy your buddy a beer. And they put up on the little chalkboard and it was next to the bar and people were buying like drinks for Willie Nelson because he lives over there and <laughs> cool idea. And so when we started the coffee house, like, you know, we could probably do something like this. And um, in our business plan, we rolled out. I was like, OK, this is going to be a tertiary source of revenue. And then we put on, on that butcher paper and people like just kept coming in and buying drinks for other people and just kept growing. And now it's two giant boards uh, in our little hallway and it ranges anywhere from like a hundred drinks to like three hundred drinks, just sitting up there for customers to grab. But yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I think. Uh, I mean, the things that people put on there, you know, of course, some buy them for particular people. They'll put their name, but there's a lot of cool stuff on there, like you know, do a Michael Jackson dance, or you know, you graduated from this particular program. And I think it's just such a neat idea, and it's definitely something that keeps people coming in and out. I'm, I always look at the board. I'll tell you that much. When yeah. I go through. It has its own little life in the shop, and it's it's fun to kind of watch. We always say like we have a lot of a uh, lot more givers than takers. Like people always want to put a drink up there, and sometimes we're like, I don't really want to pull it down. We're like, well, no, I mean, it's really just a random act of kindness. The customers just want to be nice to other customers, so feel free to grab them. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, so I have to ask you what what's your favorite uh, cup in in the joint? What's your um, preference? Yeah, I, the funny thing is, I'm like just a real like black coffee drinker. Um, I kind of venture out every now and then. I'll change it up, but um, we had this really awesome Ethiopian conga for a long time, and it became like a lot of customers' favorite. And it's, yeah, I had it. It was fantastic. Yeah, that is a great cup of coffee. There's just so many flavors to it, and it's one of our favorites for the baristas too. So I got to find a new one right now because we don't have any more of that. Yeah, but. I, I drink just straight as black as you can get coffee as well. And sometimes I like you, you all have the French press that I like to order too, which is always you know such a treat. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Like, it's kind of cool to see everybody. Like we didn't realize how many like coffee like hardcore coffee drinkers there were in Lexington and it's been fun to kind of see that. Yeah. And there's not really that many other places, uh, around, you know, common grounds is pretty decent, but as far as that, I mean, I think you all have the market on that. So, but before we get started into the core questions, Salvador, uh, we like to start this show off with a little segment called the breezy three so that the audience can get to know you a little bit. <laughs> all right. So what do you think your three favorite creative works are? Um, wow. Uh, so I'd say this is some of these might be a little bit weird. The first one would definitely be, uh, the invisible man by Ralph Ellison. I just like love the book and like how it's tied into like the Harlem Renaissance. And it was just a book I kept reading over and over again. I, I'm not the type of person to watch movies or read books after I've done it once, but it's just one that I've always really enjoyed and kind of go back to it every couple of years. Um, Another one that sounds really weird is I used to be a huge like comic book geek and I love X-Men. I love like the story behind it. I love how it like constantly ties into real world stuff and uh, like 
talking about like segregation and just the kind of how the mutants have to deal with like their own civil rights movement. It's just really interesting. And so yeah, it gets pretty deep. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I just, I love that story. Um, and then the third one, gosh, that's really tough. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was a creative writing major, so there's a lot of like poetry I like. And, uh, I usually grab just like anthologies of like different poets and just kind of get obsessed with it for a while and read it. So I can't think of like one that sticks out in my head right now, but, um, I know probably about three or four months ago, um, I had like one with Emily Dickinson. I was just kind of, and I was like, ah, oh, say, oh, this is really sad. Like you got to find something less depressing, but, uh, <laughs> I'd say those three stick out in my head right now the most. But cool. Who are your three biggest role models or influencers? Um, definitely my parents. Uh, I think those two stick out right away, uh, just because I know that they, kind of sacrificed and did so much for uh, my siblings me growing up there were six of us and so they like kind of built a machine where my mom was like the the ruler of the house and making sure that we you know did our chores and clean and were really well-behaved kids and my dad you know kind of worked on the outside and made sure everything there was going on so just I know they made a lot of sacrifices where um, I think sometimes they don't get the credit for that so just watching them do that and just seeing how hard they worked and um, really made sure that we had a good head on our shoulders. Um, and then just kind of the way they brought us up. Uh, I know sometimes people don't pay attention to the creative side, but, uh, they always encourage like the fact that I want to do a business or write or do like art. I mean, they were always like, yeah, do it, you know, do what makes you happy. Um, so they stick out more than probably anyone else. <laughs> uh, and then I think I've had some pretty good bosses and mentors. One that sticks out in my head right now is, uh, uh, her name was Sue Dassey and she was the vice president of store operations for Hastings. And she was just really like kind hearted and really re- knew how to work well with people. But at the same time when she had uh be tough, she was always like a really good tough leader and made sure things got done. And I just always had a lot of respect in how she handled it. She was very much like a mother hen, but a smiling spider at times. So <laughs> <laughs> good description. <laughs> uh, what are your if you have a bucket list or a creative bucket list, what would the top three items on it be? Um, I'd say first would be, I want to hit all of the majors in tennis, like the Australian, French, Wimbledon, US. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think we just want to kind of tour the city, see some tennis matches. Um, and I haven't even begun that. I really, I should probably should just start that. <laughs> I got to see uh, Johnny McEnroe in, was it? James Blake, is that his name? Uh, I think so, yeah. He was like number two in the world for a while there, uh, a while back in Knoxville. They had a private match, which was pretty cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I could <laughs> yeah. be wrong on the Blake's name, but I know his last name was Blake. Yeah, it, it probably was James Blake. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I'd love to see that. I, a few friends who went to Australia, and they've done like the Australian Open. I think it'd just be kind of a fun, cool uh, just thing to accomplish in life. Um I guess another one would be, uh, this sounds so strange. I've never been to Europe. I've traveled a lot like in the States, um, but I've never been to Europe and I'd love to just kind of go there and kind of tour. And I don't know, backpacking seems kind of cliche now. It seems like everybody like wants to do that. <laughs> I kind of do want to do something fun. Yeah, uh, what's great is they have the, the, you know, the public transportation that takes you all over the place. So yeah, yeah. I, I, everybody comes in, they tell me these stories. I'm like, Oh, I want to go to Europe so bad. <laughs> That's on my list too. I've actually not been myself. Oh yeah. I just, yeah, there's so many cool things. It seems like they're there. The history, uh, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, somebody came back and she said that she was in uh, Prague and she goes, it's just really interesting city. It's very old. And it was one of the 
few cities that um, during the whole Nazi thing was uh, they just kind of gave up. They're like, nope, you know what, just take over the city. So they didn't destroy it. So there's a lot of old history that was able to stay through that whole period. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm really interested in seeing that. Uh, you, uh, well, if you had to, if you had an item on your bucket list for a cup of Commonwealth, what would it be? Um, I think uh, a little bit of expansion. I'm not sure uh, exactly what. I mean, when we first kind of put it all together, we were talking about four shops and a micro roaster in about five years. Um, so, uh, I mean, if we get to that, that would be pretty awesome. And just to kind of see that, I, I love like when local businesses get to a, a size where it's big enough where it can sustain itself and also like just support like people in the community. So there's there's some jobs and there's just kind of some fun stuff coming from it. Yeah, make make sure you reach out to me for target uh, market area because I, you know, I've got a great spot right next to my house that would okay. be perfect for it over here near Garden Side. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now that we know a little bit about you, uh, can you tell us about kind of the hatching of a cup of Commonwealth and why you decided to start it? Yeah. Um, so. Uh, for whatever reason, I always want to have a business. And I was 15, I got that job and I started really enjoying like coffee and then water street made, I mean, it definitely made me realize I want to do a coffee house. Um, so I just started saving a lot, putting money to the side, building a strong network, um, learning as much as I could about the industry. And then I started, um, just reaching out to people cause I really wanted a business partner. And, um, as time went on, I just kept being like, no, that's not going to work out. That's not going to work out. And then uh, Chris and I met in um, Amarillo, Texas. We were working for the same company at the time. And threw the idea out to him. He seemed really interested. Um, after a couple of years, we were in Austin, I think, at that point. And uh, he was like, yeah, we really probably should do it. I was kind of waiting, thinking I was going to wait for like another five years. Uh, and he really encouraged. He's like, yeah, we should just step out and do it. Yeah, um, just do it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we looked at cities. Lexington made a lot of sense at the time. It was a cool spot. We love like just how it feels like the Midwest and the South kind of meet. And it has just this really fun hospitality to it. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of cool. There's actually a lot of uh, startups and, in, in, you know, Lexington's real big for the gaming community, which I didn't know until recently. And of course, they've got that, you know, accelerator down there and startups like Awesome Inc., yeah, uh, it, the people here really the atmosphere is is really nice. So I was going to ask you, you know, what kind of a process did you go through to to kind of make the decision to land in Lexington? Um, if there was anything in particular business wise besides just you thought, you know, hey, let's give it a shot here. <laughs> um, well, there's a few things. So one was uh, I had come down to Kentucky a lot. Um, I had a good friend that lived here in 06. He was actually somebody right before Chris that I was thinking as a business partner. Um, and so we came. I came down to Lexington and Louisville a lot. Uh, Chris lived here for a year, and he really liked it um, and was really um, a big proponent of it. Um, and then it kept popping up on other things. Like we noticed that it's one of the biggest cities in the U.S. that doesn't have a huge like saturation in the coffee industry. So that yeah. was kind of a competitive advantage for us. Um, it had kind of our mission, embrace community, serve others, create culture. We felt like the city really embodied that. Um, and it just seemed like they were really uh, wanting to help small businesses grow. And we feel like there was also like this just – sense of it bubbling kind of like maybe Austin was 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. so we want to be like on the you know ground zero for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love Austin. Yeah. It's a beautiful city. I, if there was winter, it would be like the perfect city for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like the seasons. Well, there's yeah. plenty of winter here for you. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think, you know, you, you talked about your, your bucket list for a cup of Commonwealth. Um, 
what do you think your ultimate long-term goal would be, you know, towards the end of your life with, with this business, whether it be a cup of Commonwealth or something past that, uh, that you have plans for? Um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever like kind of get away from it. I think originally when I first thought of it, I always thought I was going to get a little coffee house, work in it and just kind of disappear in like a suburb of a big city and just a small town and do that until the day I died. (laughs) Uh, and I I don't know now, I mean, uh, with a cup of Commonwealth and actually like as Chris and I like started kind of molding this business, um, it, you know, I want it to be somewhat the decent size, but I think I always want to be a part of it. I mean, I just definitely want to spend more time like developing. I had just so many great mentors and I'd love to kind of help out other people too over the years. I think the the sacrifices and the things that people did for me, I would love to like share that with other people and leave kind of my own legacy. Um, yeah. So you want to talk about that for a minute? Because I know the power of mentors is just gigantic. I wouldn't be where I am today if if I hadn't reached out and found some people that were willing to help me. And now obviously the whole point of this podcast is to try to inspire and help others, uh, which is, you know, why you're on here. So I love that mentality, but what kind of, you know, do you think you would have gotten the success that you have now if it wasn't for your mentors or what, what were some of the most important things that you learned from your mentors? Yeah. Um, I don't think I would be, here. uh, I mean like my parents obviously were obvious, awesome mentors. And then, um, there's two in water street, I think of Mark and Christine and they just were always encouraging. I mean, they knew I wanted to do a coffee house, um, way back then. And so they would always kind of point things out and let me know kind of what was going on sometimes behind the scenes, probably more than a typical barista, just so that they kept me encouraged. And I know they didn't have to do that by any means. I mean, I was just a barista that was working there. Um, at Hastings, I had, uh, John and Sue and John was just that very like old steel mill kind of boss uh, yeah. to kind of get that experience because it's very hard. I mean, I think a lot of my mentors have been in some cases nice where he would just be so direct and honest and cut through some of the BS at times where he could say, this is why this is wrong. And he actually, one of the, when we were looking at the shop, we were thinking, okay, let's work on this and pop it open in December. And I sent him the business plan and everything. And he replied back and said, you're just spending way too much time and way too much money. He's like, you've been spoiled with bigger companies. He's like, this is a small shop, pop it open let it grow organically with the customers and let them make the decisions for you. And, uh, I think that like struck a chord with me too. And I was like, yeah, I'm just moving at such a slow pace. And so we, you know, sped up the process there. Um, and then actually my most recent boss at Whole Foods, David, he was just, he's so kind and he like just knows how to operate with people where he finds out your strengths and just kind of lets you, uh, run with it and then steps in, you know, when he needs to. And instead of like saying you did this wrong, he'll just bring up, you know, how do you think you could have done this differently? And then you usually kind of find the answer. Uh, and so each one kind of brought something different. And I think that was really important. I realized for me, at least that, I needed a lot of different mentors over the years and letting them like, let me make mistakes. I mean, sometimes they were very costly for the company, uh, but I learned a lot from it. Um, and it allowed me to kind of help other people too. So, yeah, very cool. And I think, you know, failing forward is obviously what we can learn from the most. Uh, the more we try and try and fail and fail, we obviously just grow and grow from it. And it's, it's an amazing feeling once you get on the other side of that fence. Uh, what do you think, the most important lesson that you learned was uh, where you actually had some kind of failure and how did that end up making a positive impact on your business afterwards? Um, man, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, trying to think probably the one that sticks out to me the most. Um, I don't with it. I'll say with Hastings, I just, um, when I started there, they said, you know, here's the coffee program. I think there was like 50 shops and they're like, we need you to grow it to this point. Um, and, 
I, I can't tell you like how many times and I'm trying to think of a good example right now, but I would just, they would say, here's your budget. And, uh, I would spend money and I would just completely destroy a program I rolled out. <laughs> uh, and, but they were okay with it. They're like, okay, you know, it, it failed. That's okay. Let's go back and, you know, redo it. Um, and I, at the time I spent so much time, like not trying to, um, like they had a current training program. That's, that's a good example. Actually, they had a really decent training program. Um, and I didn't want to change it too much. And so I tried to just like, do touch-ups on it. Um, and it ended up, I mean, we used an outside vendor and it ended up costing a lot more money than it should have. Uh, and then afterwards, I remember John just asking, he's like, why don't you change it? He's like, you had the freedom to do that. I was like, oh, I wasn't really sure. And he goes, well, it's your program run with it. And so <laughs> it ended up costing us so much more money because we spent so much money just touch-ups on this training and then throwing it out and having to redo the entire training. Um, but in the end, when I, you know, I look back at it now, it was so much better. I mean, it was great for the coffee program there. Um, but I wasted like a year in time and then a, just a, too much money. <laughs> yeah. But you brought a lot out from it. That's for sure. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was kind of cool to see like all the reason people just really enjoyed it too. I mean, it was just this in our minds, there was this fear of we can't have too comprehensive of a training because it's a retail environment. Um, but in the coffee world, we always had it that way. So once we did that, it made perfect sense and actually helped. We were able to use some of that training throughout the rest of the retail store. So it's really beneficial. It just took much longer than it should have. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it works, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, well, do you think it, you know, it was harder to get started with your business, or is it harder to keep going? Um. Wow. <laughs> um. I think there's difficulties in both, and I'm not really sure which one sticks out more. So, um, I think learning you know working with somebody um and making the decisions together uh and uh learning the city um using your own money <laughs> there was definitely some difficulties there um but maintaining it will be a little bit different uh i think at least for me i've gotten so used to using companies money doing that that um it it does make it a little bit more difficult i'm sometimes it's weird because sometimes I'll be more reckless with my money and sometimes more cautious and it goes yeah. back and forth where, uh, for a corporation, I tend to kind of play in the middle a lot. Um, so I guess maintaining it will probably be the more difficult thing because it's going to be a lot longer uh, than the startup, the startup, you know, I mean, it was in my head bubbling for years, but once we got it going, it only took, you know, three or four months we popped it open the maintaining is probably going to be the most difficult. I think I guess it reminds me of some of my teachers and they were like, it's easy to get the A, it's tougher to maintain it. Um, yeah. So, um, I could be wrong. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cool that you said that because I'm the same way. When you put your skin in the game, you go through these periods where like, you get all excited and you want to be reckless with your money. And then there's other times where you're sitting there like, wow, uh, I don't know about this. And uh, it it's pretty cool. You're the first person I've heard actually say that. I thought maybe I was the only one that thought that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking back uh, at the beginning, what is one thing you would do differently if you could start all over? Um, I think I would do it sooner. <laughs> uh, I I think that was one thing I'm really happy that uh, Chris and I became such good friends and he we kind of did this together at the beginning just because he definitely was like we just we should just go and jump into it and when I was younger I was much more reckless but I always had people behind me to say wait 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 don't do that don't do that and so a yeah. lot of them did not do that and then I became more cautious over the years and so it was nice to kind of have somebody be like just do it I mean it's time uh, so I feel like I wish I would have 
um, maybe like right out of college when I was originally thinking about it, just starting it then. And then if it failed, you know, I still would have had an experience and be able to do it again. Um, but I don't know. At the same time, I loved working for Waterstreet. I love working for Hastings. I love working for Whole Foods. I got so many experiences out of it. So uh, it still got me here. I guess um, it could have just been a different path. But um, yeah, when you went through all of those different environments, though, you obviously had a, a you know an ability to build that network that probably is pretty crucial to you now. How important do you think that network is to you? Oh man, uh, this shop wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that network. Actually, when I think about it, when you put it that way, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, over the years, just meeting so many people, so many people did favors for us to start this up. And I mean, when I reached out to Water Street, I can't tell you like what Mark did uh, help us get that shop open and the discounts and deals he gave us, uh, and then just other vendors we called up and old friends were like, "Hey, you know, this is what's happening. What can you do?" And um, people just came out of the woodworks, and um, it was really cool to see that you know. Sometimes you meet people and you hopefully leave like a lasting impression with them both ways, um, but you're never really sure. And so then something like this pops up and you realize like, yeah, you know, I definitely not only are they a friend, but they're there for me, you know, when I need them. So um, I can't like a network. It's it's crazy because sometimes I hear people like say it's I hate networking or it gets such a bad rep. But a lot of times it's just relationship building. And that's I don't think anyone can hate that. I think that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. Build, building so- the trust. And building that network is so invaluable in every single way possible. And I really want the listeners to understand that there are so many people out there, even if you don't know one person, you have the power of the internet, which is insane. And you could send one email a day for 10 days, and I guarantee you, you'll get at least one response back. And these people are willing to help you. They are out there and they want to share what they've learned and they want to share with you everything, you know, every single failure, problem, success all of it. And because somebody helped them at one point, very seldomly does anyone get to where they are uh, in a successful industry or doing things that they love every day just by themselves. So it's really good for people to hear that. Absolutely. So if you could spend one hour creating something with anyone from the past or present, who would it be and what would you create? Oh man. (laughs) Uh, Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I mean, I think I would really like to. I had a professor in college, um, Stuart Dybeck, who was a writer. I would love to just write something with him. He was he was so humorous in his stories, and it was kind of fun to see. And like even in his class, he was just like a really funny guy. And I actually waited to graduate just because he only taught every other year, and so I was like, uh, I'm going to wait to graduate just to have him for as a professor. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's just this really really awesome writer out of like Chicago, is where a lot of his stuff comes from. So he has a lot of like. Um, like Michigan ties, which are important to me. And so, yeah, if I could write something with him, that'd be a lot of fun. I'm by no means as talented as him, so he'd have to be okay with that. <laughs> but uh, it would be really cool to do that. Yeah, very cool. Well, I know a cup of Commonwealth is is super creative uh, for a coffee shop. It's relaxing, cozy, and really just a great place to be. Obviously, being a co-owner, you have a leadership role and your business basically takes on your personality and lead. So what are some values that you try to put into place that keeps the atmosphere so awesome all the time? Um, I definitely say our mission. I mean, that's one thing I took away from working for different companies, um, like following your mission. I feel like sometimes companies will have a mission and over the years, they slowly kind of fall away from it. And I think that's where they start making mistakes 
Um, so with this, uh, our three core values are community service and culture. And then our mission is embrace community, serve others, create culture. Uh, and we just kind of live that. I mean, we talk about it in our orientation. We talk about it every day. Our baristas really try to embody that too. We just kind of explain like, if we can do this, I mean, we're doing the right things. And that's kind of what leads us out into the community sometimes. And like, you know, uh, working at another coffee shop or, um, visiting a business that we feel like just needs to be uplifted, um, customer service, you know, that's why we want like a barista in some ways to feel like waiters and waitresses and they're going out there and they're checking on the tables and everything. Um, and then just kind of create our own culture, like kind of a family feeling and people walking in, it's like a giant living room. So, um, that's, I guess the way that we try to do it and it seems to be working so far. And I think uh, our baristas really enjoy it. So. Yeah, it's a very cool place, and I do think that it has a very homey family vibe. And when I saw that article about, uh, you know, you all, let me get this correct though. You you all were giving out cups of coffee for people who made purchases from these businesses that were victims of the robberies and that string, right? Yep, and uh, also like anyway, they would go and help. Like if they just went there and like cheered them up, we'd give them a free drink or anything. But uh, just kind of to spread goodwill. So. Yeah, and that's amazing. Uh, the, the fact that you all kind of inscribe those values and, and uh, you know, every time I go in there, it just kind of feels like that. It's just a very homey, comfortable place to go. Um, so very cool. Well, what, what do you think that y- your favorite part about running the coffee shop is? Um, I think it's just like the people in that community feeling. And that's one thing I really, really enjoy. Uh, and so we get to see all these people. You get to basically hang out with your friends and family every day. Um, and it's just so entertaining. I mean, the other day we had a celebrity barista and it was, uh, Basil who was one of our baristas from the beginning. And then she just moved and she's heading to Australia actually in a few months, but she came down and uh, was raising money for the humane society. And she was working with a new barista and they just in the middle of the shift belted out. Um, and I've never heard it before until that day, four songs by, uh, or like, I guess from SpongeBob SquarePants, like the customers are just like sitting there like laughing and they're eating it up and it's just so like enjoyable, which is like crazy. And they just went and people just kind of sat there and listened and it turned into, instead of like, let's make coffee. It was just like, let's just sing to customers for a little bit. And, uh, I just think that's what I love about it. It's just, you never know what's going to happen. And it definitely feels like, um, just family and friends hanging out. And that's really, really important to us. So, yeah, that's amazing. So, it, was the uh, SpongeBob just random, or did somebody put that on a pay it forward that was up on the wall, and someone just decided to redeem it? Um, Basil, she was one of our craziest baristas, and so much fun. She just felt like singing, so she started singing. <laughs> and the other baristas sang along with her, and I mean, she was if if anyone ever got a chance to meet her, she was so entertaining. Uh, and she just that was the one thing she loved it too. She's like, I always want to find a way, you know, make somebody's day better. So. She would start singing. She'd just run out there and start dancing. And I mean, customers adored her. And it was just kind of fun to see her like in the shop all the time. She had her own like life to it. So, yeah, that's amazing. It's always fantastic to be around people like that. And, uh, you know, they're not around that often, but when they come around, you definitely don't want to see them go. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. But I'm getting close to the 30 minute mark now, maybe a little bit over. So I'm going to get into the closing questions. Okay. And this next question is fantastic, so I'm curious <laughs> to hear your answer. Uh, if you had to battle Godzilla, <laughs> how would you use your creativity and talents to defeat that big bastard? Oh, man. Um, the funny thing is I'm really not that creative and talented, so uh, <laughs> I probably have to enlist a lot of help. <laughs> um, man, I, he might beat me. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I am a big fan of Godzilla, and I kind of want him to win most of the time. So I would be willing to take a loss to him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the first one to uh, to surrender to Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want him to kill me, though. I mean, I, I just wanted to, like, beat me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you probably injected enough espresso into your veins, you might be able to hype up and, and give him a run for his money. <laughs> just run around him. Hopefully he gets tired. Of his- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So do you have any favorite advice, resources, or tools that you want to share with our listeners that you think they could find value in? Um, a two that stick out to me a lot, and I know they're from somebody else. I can't think of them right now, but... Um, Plan your work, work your plan. I think that sometimes people just forget that and uh, they think that a plan doesn't allow them to be spontaneous. I'm a believer in the fact that I feel like it allows you to be very spontaneous because you at least have a plan to work off of and you always have like something to jump back to um, after you take care of maybe some chaos. Um, so I try to be like a step ahead of the game all the time, be a little strategic. You can't always be, but at least if you have something to work off of, um, you can cover most of the things that could pop up. Um, and then the other one is just simple isn't easy. Uh, I think sometimes we overthink. I'm a horrible person about that. I always like complicate things where I don't need to complicate things and have to like take some time, look back on it and be like, okay, it's just, this is a lot easier than you're realizing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those two probably more than anything. Very cool. And all this, all this information is- will be on the show notes on artsynow.com. Uh, so it's A-R-T-S-Y now.com and you can find all of this information there and all the other episodes as well. So how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to? Um, they can come to the shop. They can email me, call me. I mean, everything's pretty accessible. Um, and the easiest one is uh, Salvador at a cup of Um I can respond to that pretty easily, but a lot of times I'm just in the shop and they can definitely stop by and talk to me. Very cool. I'll put that on the show notes as well. Salvador, thank you so much for being the entrepreneur now. (laughs) And always remember to keep it funky. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A-R-T-S-Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.